Biennale of Sydney Fan Fiction, Episode 4 As the inheritor of the post-structuralist project that actively resisted the ostensibly closed space of the individual evaluation of art-writing criticism, Kelly was interested in the dialogue between texts and objects, between participants and audiences, between all things that circulated around the Biennale. Being part of the Bureau of Writing, Andrew Brooks, Beth Caird and Aidan Madden, Kelly Fleetner, Benjamin Foster, Astrid Larange and Sarah Rodigari were all interested in pursuing models that allowed for an exploration of ambiguity and interpretation. This is a kind of art writing that is not at all interested in quality, nor is it descriptive reportage, but is perhaps somewhere in the middle, an in-between writing. And with this in mind, she thought that Stephanie's Biennale offered her and other members of the Bureau of Writing space in which to project and layer their thoughts and ideas in relation to the Biennale. They crawled into gaps designated for them, and they sneaked into spaces that they created for themselves. With the M-dash in the middle of the Biennale's title in mind, the future is already here, M-dash, it's just not evenly distributed, they collaborated for six months, and like other in-between projects of the Biennale, they became one of its many breaks and parenthetical insertions, quotations and interruptions. They watched a screening of Writing Not Yet Thought, Helen Sassou, and then talked about it with curator Adrian Heathfield. They spoke about approaches to writing practice that reconfigure the relation between embodiment and textuality, in particular thinking through the impacts of a Kretscher, feminine, performative writing, affect theory and ficto-criticism. They did an online workshop writing exercise to rewrite Michel Foucault's famous text of other spaces with Constant Dallard. They did a workshop and exhibition with Jerry Bibby called Flexing Muscle that was pretty much about sphincters and how writing can convey encounters as point of entry and exit, about how writing presumes reading, inferring both ingestion and ejection, states of introspection and production that contract from and expand into the social in space. They made an exhibition with Jerry Bibby. They did a workshop with him and Chong called Common Characters. They gathered with him for 24 hours in order to each produce a fictional character. They didn't really end up creating characters, but they did some writing. Andrew Brooks and Astrid Larange made anti-soulmate mixtape and played it on the radio. Benjamin Forster and Sarah Rodigari made a website intervention called 743 Fragments Drifting By. Through custom code, their words cascaded down the screens of people viewing the Biennale's website, distracting them from the information function of the website. The sudden, parallaxing quality of the cascading words abstracted the experience of viewing the website's information, illustrating the in-between and partial states of the Bureau of Writing. They did a workshop and poetry reading with Aline Wiles. They gossiped about Hollywood and Kevin Bacon. Beth Caird and Ada Madden made scaffold for the radio, and Kelly gave a lecture and made a podcast. She made all of them into characters. They made work that was written for and presented within the Biennale, but were mainly for each other. As they passed through the space of the Biennale, its venues and its duration, they used each other's works to anchor themselves. As they consumed each other's texts, they sank into the Biennale, breathing in its atmosphere, their words becoming its space. They became a central part of each other's experiences of the Biennale. The Bureau of Writing mirrored the Biennale as meeting place of multiple practices. It created a place of conjunctions and borders, a space between identity and territory. For Kelly, the Bureau of Writing was the Biennale. On the last day of the first week of the Biennale, Kelly made her way to the Newtown Library to see Rhiannon Newton perform as part of Meta Edvinston's Time Has Fallen Asleep in the Afternoon Sunshine. 
In writing about the experience later, she couldn't quite find the right words for what her experience with Rhiannon had been. She knew that Rhiannon hadn't read her Orlando, nor did she perform Orlando. Rather, Kelly thought Rhiannon was Orlando. Not Orlando the character, but Orlando the book, the actual pages, an embodiment of the text itself, not an acting of it. Rhiannon was so relaxed during the reading, being unagitated calm. She was the first lines, her calmness betraying, undermining, belying their brutality. He, for there could be no doubt of his sex, though the fashion of the time did something to disguise it, was in the act of slicing at the head of a moor which swung from the rafters. It was the colour of an old football, and, more or less, the shape of one, save for the sunken cheeks and a strand or two of coarse dry hair, like the hair on a coconut. Orlando's father, or perhaps his grandfather, had struck it from the shoulders of a vast pagan who had started up under the moon in the barbarian fields of Africa, and now it swung, gently, perpetually, in the breeze, which never ceased blowing through the attic rooms of the gigantic house of the lord who had slain him. Rhiannon was these lines with an eerie calmness, belying the grotesqueness of their depiction. She was these lines with a clean minimalism which undermined Wolfe's embrace of an unembarrassed lavish language. Kelly was always attracted to this kind of language of ornamentation, semicolons and m-dashes everywhere. He, m-dash, for there could be no doubt of his sex through the fashion of time did something to disguise it, m-dash, was in the act of slicing at the head of a moor which swung from the rafters. Wolfe's dash, as in Stephanie's, reinforces a continuously searching movement, reinforcing the need for specification but never landing on a definition. Their indeterminate words and in-between spaces generate the readers, the viewers, the audience's participation, indeed their necessary role in creating meanings. This is their place in the inadequacy of language and art in a void. Kelly sat there listening, watching. She thought at multiple points about Benjamin Forster, Rhiannon's partner and her friend, and pictures popped into her mind of Benjamin in a library he constructed late in 2014 at Monash University Museum of Art. She thought how unique it was to have two very distinct images of this couple in separate libraries, reading to her, reciting to her. Directly after Rhiannon was the first 17 pages of Orlando, Kelly set off to purchase it and continue herself. As she read, she imagined Rhiannon there with her, a hovering presence. She had completely shifted her relationship to the text, Instead of illuminating the pages with images from her imagination, Kelly felt as if Rhiannon had entered the language in a new way. She paid special attention to the cadence of each sentence as to mimic that of Rhiannon. She paused at each M-dash, reading into it a new subtext and politics that could not be extrapolated from the Biennale. So how in the visual arts do the plethora of different practices reconcile their different relationships to text, particularly in the mosh of the Biennale? Much of the Biennale is concerned with movement and writing, and the specifics of performative writing as a form. Della Pollock discusses performative writing as a form that is acted or performed. She talks about how performative writing evokes paradoxes and intensities without adding up. She talks about how performative writing is not a single genre, but involves aspects across a plurality of writing. She talks about how you can't lock it down. Within this context, Kelly thought about the performative writing of Sarah Rodigari. Kelly thought how Sarah's work perfectly fit into the in-betweenness of the Biennale because of her very particular mode of delivery that was itself filled with spaces and holes and pauses. 
During their workshops, the Bureau of Writing would read to each other. When Sarah read her work, with all its spaces and holes and pauses, Callie would study the distinct placement of these holes, spaces, ad-libbed and improvised. She used them to orient herself around Sarah's language, used them as a navigation device to inform her understanding of her work. As the score of Sarah's performances, rather than the published work itself, the text, the script, the poem, simultaneously precedes the performance and is a relic of it. The text was the object that found itself both filling and creating a gap during a performance. It responded to its own being, informing and changing the performance. Many of the works in the Biennale seem to be and comment upon the increased inclusion of live performance, and specifically dance, within object-based contexts and economies, and as a regular part of programming at galleries and museums. Choreography serves as a framework and a platform, a practice and a means for which to draw attention to the multiple meanings of the words performance. It is insinuating aliveness as a way to describe the adoption of a character opposition and a wry reference to economic productivity. But more interesting still is how Stephanie approached the use of language in the exact same way. She used language to choreograph the artists and the viewers, to draw lines between the two. Language as direction, didactics, void, avoidance. Of course language, in all its narrative and absent forms, has played an important part in the visual arts, particularly throughout the 20th century, even as art has tried to instrumentalise language for its own ends. Language forms have been mined for their creative resources, but their individual rich and specific histories often remain unacknowledged. That is what Jacques Ranciere's Crisis of Visibility describes, namely that contemporary art is, quintessentially, art defined by the erasure of medium specificity, indeed by the erasure of visibility of art as a distinct practice. The Bureau of Writing relishes in this discard of specificity, erasing, embracing ephemerality, decentering vision, making room for other modes of encounter and perception. The Bureau of Writing asked each other, what does language mean to you? What does it do to this artistic experience of inhabiting time and space? The Bureau of Writing releases poetry and language from their passive position to assert themselves as a driving force in image making. The Bureau of Writing releases image making into a layering of fact and fiction into a world that is yet to be reconciled. The Bureau of Writing releases the unreconciled world into a reality of built understanding that is a collection undertaking a happenstance and resistance. Biennale of Sydney fanfiction has been written for the Bureau of Writing, a collaborative writing program designed for artists and presented alongside the 20th Biennale in association with Artspace Sydney. Biennale of Sydney fanfiction is written and spoken by Kelly Fleetner for On the Beach podcast, with quotations narrated by Robert Wood. Its music is by Ron Coob. www.onthebeachpodcast.info has been designed and developed by Ron McNaughton, and you can find further information, notes and transcripts on each episode there. The Bureau of Writing has been assisted by the Australian Government through the Australian Council for the Arts, its arts funding and advisory body. It has been made possible through the generous support of the Kia Foundation and On the Beach is supported by the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria.